right. So I love that intro. Um, I had some friends put that together using hand percussion because after all, this is the hand therapy pod. So I thought that was pretty cool. If you don't know us, um, this is Getting Handsy by Low Country Hands with Philip and myself. Uh, whether it's your first time or a return listener, there are many other podcasts out there. So we appreciate you taking the time to um, sit back and just listen with us. Philip, how's your fall been? Uh, you know what? Uh, down here in South Alabama, we did just finally have our first little bit of fall weather, and it's been very nice. Um, uh, shorts and t-shirt gave you a little bit, uh, a little bit chilly, so I enjoyed it. Yeah, well, you? you know, we got to catch up in Wisconsin earlier this month, and we got a little bit of nice fall weather up there, so that was nice um, at an elbow course up there. What'd you think about that? I thought that was fantastic, and and the weather was phenomenal. We we won't get that type of weather for several more weeks, but uh, no, the course was great. Now this first time I'd ever been to Wisconsin, and it was uh, good seeing you up there as well. It's it's been a long time, so nice, nice. So our goal is to look at things a little differently. Um, we like to provide quality discussions over a variety of topics, as you noticed. Um, we just don't want to talk about a diagnosis and how it should be treated, but we also want to cover what we do when things become. Um, uh, stuck in the clinic when you when you get stumbled by something and what we do to get out of that and we figured we'd pull everybody's expertise together and share it with you share those clinical pearls so um, you know we wanted to use evidence-based stuff just clinical stuff over the years of experience and and just provide that outlet for you to be able to take back to the clinic on Monday or Tuesday is there anything else you want to add to that Philip uh, kind of how why we do this no, and I kind of like how it's already evolved a little bit. We've uh, we've been uh, lucky enough uh, to have some excellent uh, guest speakers, and um, uh, that's been no no different today. So I guess that's a good segue into your introduction. Yeah. So. so yeah, so today is going to be a little bit of a different of a show. Um, I have a good friend, Sherry Roberts, joining us to discuss her new book that is hot off the printer. It's her second edition of Everyday Upper Extremity Anatomy, a clinical guide, reference, and interactive workbook. Um, this project's dropping just in time for some of the last minute studying for your CHD exam coming up in November. If you're not going to get it before then, make sure you get it before your May test. Um, Sherry, will you introduce yourself? Do you mind? Sure. Well, you had asked, you know, how first I want to tell you how I've been doing because it's October and both of my children are in college. And I see so many Facebook memes about these people that are crying that their kids are going off to school. And oh my gosh, this is wonderful. <laughs> I am so happy and I'm so happy for my children. Uh, I have one girl that's in Prague, another daughter who is at KSU and she's getting her degree in graphic design. And you know what? They're thriving and they're happy. And when our children are happy, then it brings us a lot of peace. So, you know, happy for my, for my kids and where I am right now. Absolutely. You know, that's, yeah. that's what it's all about. That's just what it's all about. Family is what it's all about, right? That is it. So, yeah. Um, but that's about it for like lifestyle. I am working at a, um, I'm at a different location now. I was at Piedmont Hospital for 27 years and I had a really good career there, but felt like it was time for a change. So I went to a different, a few different outpatient clinics and I've landed back kind of in the hospital system. I did, I'm at Emory Musculoskeletal Institute, and it's with Emory Spine and Orthopedic, and I've only been there for about a year, but I'm hoping this is where I will finish out my career. I always say that, but I'm hoping this time it will be true, and I'm really enjoying it. I, I'm working with some really great doctors, and it's an environment that is 
so different than what I've had before as we see a ton of walkovers and the outcomes are fantastic. So that's a great part of job satisfaction, isn't it? When, you know, your outcomes are based on physicians that are very skilled at what they do. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, we, we've both been doing this a fairly long time. Uh, I think I'm going on about 20 years and it seems like every couple of years or sometimes in a year, I have these little lulls where I'm like, man, is this what I really want to continue doing? And I look back and that almost always correlates to where if I have just a cluster of patients that it seems like everybody's just not doing well, you know, it's right. like, man, you're always <laughs> going to have one or two. We, we cannot fix everyone. But when you look around and you feel like 80% of your caseload just isn't getting better, you just sit back and you think, man, is this something I'm doing? And you start to second guess, but then you get out of that and then you realize that, hey, this really is a fantastic profession. And Sherry's point right there, you know, I've always told people for years, uh, OT is great and there's other professions similar, but um, if you get burned out or you want to make a change, you don't have to switch professions altogether. You can go into a different realm. And so Sherry, I'm sure you're doing something totally different now than you've done. Right. Yes. Lovely. Yeah. All under the same umbrella of OT, which is fantastic. It is. It really is fantastic. Yeah. Well, nice. Make it happen. That's right. That's right. And and what, what makes it great is the people that we get to interact with are very passionate about what they do and, um, you know, this year in particular, I think we talked about a little bit on our last one is it just seems that everybody is so gung-ho to push and make the profession better. Mm-hmm. As, and so I've really appreciated that, which is great for your book dropping now. And we were yeah. joking there, me and Philip was in Atlanta at a course. And I think you actually spoke at that course for that meeting. And he ended up winning the first edition of your book under his, under right. his so um, he mentioned that he goes, is, is this a different book? I said, no, this is the second edition. So yeah. I truly feel when I have students that, that you know, anatomy starting there, that you got to start the foundation. Right. Otherwise it's, you know, I mean, you're just kind of, you're just kind of, you know, going at it blindly at times. And mm-hmm. The cool thing about it is we educate our, our new grads, um, new therapists coming in and she runs our CHC program. And for the first year, pretty much that book is what's used. I don't think I've told oh, you. That's, great. that's what she's used is that book. So sure. she found it that beneficial and it got, yeah. the, got her through her CHC. And she talked about the foundation that it laid for studying everything else. So, sure. That's really good to know. So yeah. What are some of the influences that motivate you behind doing a second edition? Well, um, well, that's a, such a great question because In 1986, when I was at University of Florida, the way that I would study is that I would go into one of those rooms that you could kind of check out and sit in, you know, attached to the library. Yeah. And I would go in there and the walls were kind of cream colored and you had the chair and we had no technology. So I didn't have a laptop or a phone or anything like that. And it really felt like prison to me. And I would study and study and I would read and take notes and make charts and graphs. And then I would come out and I would get a C on the test. And that's how it went my whole time at U of F. I just couldn't get a handle on it. And I felt like I I was really disappointed in my performance and I didn't understand because I was putting the effort out and I wasn't getting anything back. And by the end of OT school, I scraped by with a B minus, but I didn't want any higher learning at all. I didn't want to go for my master's. I didn't want to do any, I didn't want to open a book. I ended up like building a garden and taking up the fiddle. because I didn't want, I was like, keep me away. But then hand therapy happened in in late nineties. And I fell in love with hand therapy. And then you see when it's about something that we love, 
then I was willing to put forth the effort again. And when I, when I studied, it was a different experience. I learned so, so much from what, what I didn't want to do. I was involved in a study group here and we all read the rehab of the hand cover to cover and we all passed and we all used very specific techniques. So I wanted, when I did this book, I wanted people to have fun. It sounds kind of, you know, hokey balls, but I think there is a way that you can learn without knowing that you're learning and really be engaged and have a good time. And that's, so the motivation was there. That was one thing. And then also it's what you just said a minute ago. I asked myself, what do we need to know before we put our hands on our patients in the clinic? Like you said in your chapter, if you're gonna do wrist or joint mobilizations, shouldn't you know the kinematics of the wrist? I think these basic anatomical principles, they don't have to be extensive, but I think that you can learn these and understand them and have a really good understanding, a good start before you start treating patients and feel confident about it. So I want people to feel like this book will help them to have a jumping off point so that when you're out in the middle of nowhere and you get orders from a primary care physician who doesn't really have an ICD-10 attached to his order that you can figure out what hand pain means. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's right. You're not spoon-fed. Right. So that's uh, the motivation. And that's, you know, those were the influences. Nice. And not, none, none of us have ever seen that hand pain diagnosis, mm -hmm. right? We all no. have a very specific no, uh, it's, kind yeah. of diet, right? it's an anomaly, but I just had to bring it up, right? Yeah. No, yeah, that's that's perfect. Uh, well, well, I'm, I'm going to back, backtrack just a little bit. And uh, first of all, I just want you to tell us about this book. So we've okay. been the drop of the second edition, but even going back to the first edition for everybody new, or I know it's quite interactive. Um, mm -hmm. And then if there's any differences between the second edition uh, versus the uh, first. Yes, there's a huge difference between this one and the first in that we added a lot of great guest authors and Bob was one of them. He wrote really a stellar chapter on the kinematics of the wrist. And we had a lot of people that were interested in contributing. So I took advantage of that. And we just added a lot of different things. We did wrist kinematics, proprioception, wound care. We did information on neuroanatomy, stable joints, able joints, things that were, if you went to the CH or the SHT prep class, they were a lot of the same top topics that you would see there. So we increased the amount of topics. That was one component. We continue to offer the nine free CEUs. And then this time we, the interactive games are kind of like a vintage game activity. It's more like, uh, there's nothing really technical except I do offer a flip book with it. It's an online book where you can click on it and it'll take you directly to some animator videos that help follow up on the chapters. So that's, that's about as like technical as Sherry gets. And even still, I had to have my kids help me with that. But, but, but that's what, yeah, the, so the book is really extensive. And I really tried to round it out so that we were looking at all aspects. I wanted to make sure we covered all the bases, if that's even possible. But in terms of anatomy, that's what I really tried to do in terms of topics. And then, you know, Philip, if you look at it, like for instance, layering, layer, if you're looking at studying one topic and how you layer the topic, there's a chapter on lumps and bumps, like of the skin and conditions of the skin. So you read the chapter and most of it, it's like a lot of statistical data and a lot of QR codes to show you pictures. You read that, you learn that, 
And then you play the game. So there's two laminated hands. You cut out tabs around a card that has all those conditions that we talked about. And you move the tabs to those laminated hands. So you say, this is where sarcoidosis would be, or this is where pyogenic granuloma, granuloma. And then after you do that, then you watch the video. You can sit back and have some popcorn and it will quiz you on all those things that you just did. So that's the third layer of learning. And hopefully in doing those three things, by the end of it, you're gonna know where these conditions are. That's the thought. So, so it sounds quite interactive and maybe even more so than the first edition then. That is correct. Yes, the first edition, the main interactive thing we had was there's write-on templates in this and there's brachial plexus, there was a DVD, and then we had the muscle clings. And we don't have the DVD this time for the brachial plexus because people really are very particular about how they like to draw it. So I gave some really good examples of how to draw the brachial plexus. We also included um, some tutorials, some different things that they can go to. So that, yeah, so we added a lot of different things and, and kept some things from before too. Awesome, that sounds great. Thank you. Yeah, and one thing I really like about it is I'm not always um, straightforward learning. I like the different approach that you take, the different style of writing, um, which you'll definitely get if you've had the first edition or this one. Um, I really, I really enjoy that because I don't feel everybody learns the same. Sometimes if a topic is a little dry, whether it's an article uh -huh. and, you know, research article or, and we have the hand or any of them, and I'm not talking about any particular chapter, but sometimes it just doesn't grasp our attention or make us think in a way that we should. And I feel like these being interactive, it always kind of changes the way you look at it and mm -hmm. you, um, just think differently. So I've really enjoyed that aspect. And that's why I think um, kind of going into the next part is how it's used in the clinic is, like I said, Amanda uses it with our um, new co our new co-workers that are studying for their CHT. Now they, they've got a little while before they take it, but mm -hmm. they've, they've had a full year with your first book and they've enjoyed mm -hmm. you know, mnemonics that you learn in it, you know, later sure. things like that. And it just, Mm -hmm. lays the chapters out a little differently. So for that that type of person that just can't sit back and read Rehab in a Hand, this is a great start, in my opinion. That's a really good way to put it because um, all praise is to Rehab in the Hand. I mean, that's exactly, my go-to. Yeah. And I can't say enough, you know, when I was, when I was reading it, my comment was, what the hell have I been doing? When I was reading Rehab in the Hand, I'm thinking, I, I'm so glad that I did this because there was so much that I could add to my treatment that I wasn't doing. And you know, in the absence yeah. of information, we make stuff up. And so when you're out by yourself somewhere, you may not have a mentor, you may not have people to call or talk to you. So it's so important to have good resources in the clinic. Learn all of this and take your test. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah. I feel like starting here is a great is a great spot because then you can build and rehab and handle what you've learned. Again, that foundation. Right, right, I agree. So you had I'm mentioned, a, go ahead, Philip. No, you, you, uh, you, uh, you're fine. You go ahead. I don't know if we're ready for the rabbit hole conversation. Let's go. Right, we're ready for anything. <laughs> so, you know, go back to U of F and me feeling like a failure. Um, I think over the last couple of years, I have just become like really fascinated and a little bit obsessed with the whole idea and concept of learning. And a lot of that did play into the book. And it, I, I imbibed this system with some of these learning techniques without people knowing it because I was so inspired. But the book I read is called Make It Stick. 
And the book is about learning practices and how in the past, what we've done is learn by lore or by tradition. And we haven't really been taught formally in school how to learn and sit down. Did you guys get an education in school on how to take notes? Is somebody no, we, in like, no. right. So a lot of us just, we just don't have that uh, growing up. And so what you had, it's kind of like the hunger games. You just keep having the hunger games and it doesn't even make any sense, but you just keep doing it. So we do things like use a highlighter or we read and reread chapters and we do activities to help us learn that really don't help us go anywhere. And so what the authors, Peter Brown and his friends have found, and it's, it's 40 years of research, is that we're really going in the wrong direction, if that makes sense. And so he's saying, for instance, you mentioned learning styles or learning the same. Yeah. They're saying that learning styles are a myth. Okay, unless you have ADHD or you have dyslexia. Yeah. So my learning style would be put together anatomy, anatomy puzzles because that sounds the most fun to me, but that's not really a style, that's a preference. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that that translates into better learning. It means that I wanna do what comes easiest for me. Or some people may say, oh, I'm a visual learner. And I just look at, you know, and watch the screen you're really not learning that way. That's just how you like to take the information in. And so Peter Brown, what they're saying is, we need to change how we're educating our students and give them the best opportunity. And so that's kind of what I was trying to do with that CHT planner. I was trying to offer these tips, of course, giving full credit to make it stick, but even places like the North Carolina Learning Center, they go off on this tangent about the highlighters and why you shouldn't use the highlighters. And why when you're reading, you need to read three paragraphs and make a note. They gave all of these really great, I mean, it's a lot. It's, it's, it's a cornucopia of information. Yeah. But I think people are failing this test. And I think that there's better ways to study because we see a lot on Facebook about what resources to get. But I'm not seeing a lot of people speak about how they're necessarily learning it and passing the test, if that makes sense. No, that's great. And I will say I have drained many a highlighter. So that's, that's great information. <laughs> that was, well, I have my I own have set. Are you kidding? I, I'm telling you, I would have, I would start out with a yellow highlighter. I like stuff. And then when I read back through it again, I'd have a little bit darker yeah. stuff that I didn't get the second time. And so I made sure I had everything. And when you looked at it, it's just like a Christmas tree of a chapter. And then I'm like, well, who's right. after me? But it did help, but it was probably more time than I should have put into it. So right. very interesting. No. It is, yeah. He, <laughs> they, they just, it, there's just so much that was so fascinating about, about what he had to say. And I listened to the podcast and I also read the book. And some of it is really, they have a lot of anecdotal stories. And so it, some of it was kind of comatose for me. Again, if it's not interesting, I tune out. That's, yeah, I'm, just, I'm very honest about. And so when I was reading Rehab of the Hand and the whole neurophysiology, I said, you can stand over me with a gun and I'm never going to read this and understand it. So I gave myself a pass on certain chapters. But yeah. But yes, yeah, there is, probably... there's definitely there's things that people can do. Um, classical music, for instance, classical music has been shown to bring the brain to an elevated state to a, a wonderful emotional state and so you take the information in better than yeah. if you were listening to motley Crue or the gap band that doesn't work it has to be <laughs> classical 
As so why not use the things that come to you, right? Why not use the things that are out there that will help you? Nice. So, yeah. Nice. That's my rant on uh, that. I, no, that's fine. I think you hit the nail on the head is that everybody has, I, I guess we can call them styles, but different styles. Everybody thinks that they know what kind of um, uh, works for them especially when you, when you get to this stage and you, and you, and you get, you know, into graduate school and things like that. But uh, yeah. I think being able to recognize what works for you. And if you said, Hey, I'm a visual or I'm a, I need puzzles. Uh, that's why your right. product's great because right. it gives a different avenue. Cause some, right. I mean, years ago, this, this, these things didn't exist. Right. I mean, right. Bob mentioned about how much is uh, people are doing for the profession now. And, and you're one of those pioneers in that with your creativity and, all the different products that you have, which I know we're going to get to in a few minutes, but uh, being able to have that out there is so good for some of the younger therapists. Um, and not only that, but maybe they can build on something that you provide. I mean, you know, okay. sometimes yeah. sometimes you don't know where to go until you see something. You say, hey, you know what? I can I can maybe add mm -hmm. to this. So, yeah, yeah, I think that it has to be um, it has to be difficult. It, the, the learning has to be a challenge. So. For instance, when you take that lumps and bumps chapter, you want to make mistakes. You want the learning. You want to make plenty of mistakes because that's how they call it desirable difference or desirable difficulties. You want to create this difficult challenge and then you'll be able to make it stick. And we know this from making mistakes. You know, natural consequences. When my daughter was two or three years old, it was snowing here in Atlanta. She wanted to go outside in her underwear in the snow. And I said no two times. And then, of course, I let her do it. It was the best learning experience because she goes out there and she's like, I'm done. We learn so well from our mistakes. And it's yeah. so it's such a blessing. So when we're trying to retain information, it's important to make it very challenging for us. And in that, you know, we'll, we're, you're going to have a better outcome. You're going to have people that are going to um, be pleased with their, you know, they're working on their tests or whatever, whatever they're trying to study. So. I was looking at something I'm going to put up on, on the page, but um, the, the blocks, the little bag with the blocks, what is yes. that? So there's a game called Get In Line. And what it is, is you take the blocks and they each have a color-coded dot. So one side of those blocks will all be the order of sensory return. And another side will all be the order of the radial nerve. And the next will be the ulnar nerve. And what you do is you shake them up and then you put your little card out that says get in line and you have to line them up in order. So that's an example of that layered learning. So you will read the chapter or you read the information. You can practice a mnemonic if you want to. You can do the get in line game and then there's the get in line, get in line um, video that goes with it. So that's what those little guys are. Okay, nice. Yeah, now you know. That's right. Now, so explain this. Uh, so Bob sent me a picture of this and there's like one, I don't know, there's 15 different things here of little uh, laminated cards or games sure. and all kinds of things. So are, are these other products you offer? Or does this come with the second edition book? Uh, tell us about this. Yes, it all comes with the book. So all, all this comes with all that book? All that comes with the book. Yes. So you get, you get the book and then you get something called Anatomy Quest. And the anatomy quest has all those game components in it. So it has laminated hands, there's little crossword puzzles, there's a little card that had, so you can practice um, lining up how the bones would be for the elbow 
it's called unhinged or something. I give you a little box full of tiny cubes and those cubes you can use, you label them according to the elbow and according to the wrist. And then you shake up the cubes and you can play a couple of games with them. You see the thing that has the thread on it? Yes. Those are, okay, so there's two games that go with that. There's nerve compression jumble and nerve tuck and cover. So I give you some cards and you cut those out, you shuffle them up and then you have to tuck them under the nerve that's impaired. Okay. So it'll nice. give you a clue and then you tuck the little guy up underneath the that area, right? And then I think, um, I don't think Philip noticed this, but I noticed it because I got to see a little bit of the book, but uh, what do we call them? Q codes throughout the book. Oh, QR codes, yeah. Yeah, tell, tell us about yeah. that. So that was interesting because um, I, I made sure even last night, and there are going to be some edits that happen, I want people to know on the website. So if there's anything that's out of line or didn't get put in appropriately, if I left out a code, it will be on the website for you to access it. But I did use a lot of QR codes in conjunction with the chapters so that as you're going through, for instance, you know, a Bennett's fracture, then I'll give you a little code and you can watch surgery for a Bennett's fracture. That's, so I really that's tried great. To put, yeah, I really, I really tried to put them in place so that you can just, I really wanted you to have a sense around experience. So I also gave you a little foam pad and I gave you a little bubble for the back of your phone so you can cue, you know, look at the QR code and then watch the TV, or you can watch it on your regular TV if you want to, but. Nice. I want nice. you to have a good experience. Yeah, you know, I, I like it. It's, it's attacking it at every angle. Yes, exactly. I just didn't give you any popcorn. I didn't yeah, want you well. to choke, but, <laughs> but right. I want, yeah, I wanted it to be a full stop kind of experience. Yeah, all the way around. I was looking at the website and I think we're going to talk about that in a minute too, but um, I, I think that book is, $235 and that comes with all those different games and different things and uh, plus the nine Absolutely. CEUs yes. that you get, which is- And all the for, nine free CEUs, right. Yeah, and so for OTs or PTs, that's either nine of your 10 hours annual or nine of our 30, correct? Right, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, and then, like Philip said- Of the first one, then I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna grab this one uh, pretty pretty soon, so. Yeah, it's a, I, I recommend it. Um, so I think one of the first times I met you, Sherry, was in Atlanta. I think part of your study group preparing for this was my boss, Lisa Smith. I think she was. Yes, yes, she was with us. Yeah. So that's how I'm, that's how I, I met you. And you were at a booth selling all of your right. great products. Yes. And, uh, there's, there's a number of them. Will you tell us about some of those and how they're used in the clinic and where they can find them? Absolutely. Yes. You mean the devices? Yes. Just any, anything. Yes. Yes. That's so funny. Uh, you're, 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 Other you're than the earrings. Reason. What now? What, what Philip? Oh, I was saying that or your jewelry or anything like all, all of your products. Cause you have, you have some, some fun stuff plus some, uh, yeah. some different well, things. Well, let me so. tell you, it's fun until it isn't fun anymore. And I think a lot of these things that I make, sometimes I say, what am I doing? You know, like these wobble boards, it's fun, there's really not a lot of profit, but it's fun to find something and make it and have it be useful in the clinic. I have something called a wrist twist and roll, which is, it's just, it's such an interesting toy because people have a very hard time doing it. So they have a really, it's really like a brain challenge, but in order for me to make that, I have to go to Ikea and I buy the toy and then I dremel off the tips and I put it together. 
but I, I basically, it started with me and the girls doing a lot of trinkets and we did a lot of jewelry for AOTA. And then over the years, I just to start, you know, I started making these, these products, but the one that I think is the most interesting and probably the most challenging. And I say that because I really want to use a different word besides challenging, but the mobile arm, the mobile arm, I don't know if you know this, Bob, if I ever told you, but my family, they invented the aerosol can. So they invented the process by which nitrous oxide came out of the can. And so I, you know, I come from this family of inventors. And when I told them I was going to do this patent, they said, don't do the patent. So I said, let me just do this patent because I don't listen. That's right. <laughs> and it was, oh my gosh. But the thing about that, that is probably my most favorite, most useful toy that I've ever made. And it's got 59 different exercises that come with it. But unfortunately, it just looks like a stick on a wheel. So getting people to understand it or grasp it has been a bit of a challenge. But I started the process and that's been, it's a labor of love. So I'll see how it goes and see what happens eventually. Well, I've seen it on your page. It's on the page, right? And it's also in the U.S. Patent Office. And, you know, I talked to the girl that did the bullseye splint. She did her patent entirely by herself. She did the drawing, she did everything. And I hired somebody to do it because I just didn't, you know, yeah, I couldn't pull it together, but, you know, so, but the, the, the online stuff is a lot of fun. There's a lot of toys that I make when we have, you know, the, the supplies to make them. And I think therapists kind of get a kick out of some of these things that they can do in the clinic. And it's right yeah. now, everybody's looking for the new shiny toy. That's right, man. So we'll see what happens with this mobile arm and we'll see, you know, in the future, I'm hoping to just kind of maybe give it to North Coast or somebody like that and just yeah. be done with it. Great. But yeah, that's my well, fave. Well, Sherry, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the webpage, but uh, I see all types of jewelry and earrings and your uh, things and then all of your, like the, the mobile arm, some wobble boards, all kinds of things to be used in the clinic. So can you just, uh, can you tell everyone uh, where they can find you and where they can, uh, where they can, where they can look you up and find out more about you and your, and your, um, your equipment. Sure. It's at handinmind.com. Handinmind.com. And I'll, um, I'll put that on the page too, so we can. Yeah. Get it. Um, so now we have something called the five o'clock walkover. Um, I didn't necessarily tell you about this part. So we asked you some questions and we just want your honest answer. So the first one okay. that you kind of helped me with. So Tell me why you adopted this dog or asked the dog or worst behaved dog. Tell me about this because I'm curious about this. So, oh my gosh, Bob, I didn't think Hubert Roberts is probably the most naughty dog, but the best dog I've had in my life. He's a terrier mix. And I had had a dog, a 19 year old Bichon that died. And, and Olive said, let's get another dog. And I'm like, I don't want another dog. And of course we came home with him. And he has just an incredibly funny personality. And so, but since the girls have left, he escapes. He just does naughty things. He eats pens and he crawls up and he chews things up. And he's almost seven years old, so, but he just still acts like a puppy. But oh, I wouldn't trade him for the world, but he is definitely rotten to the core. And, you know, but he's doing okay without the girls. So, but yes, good. there's more pictures of Hubert on my phone than there is of my children, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right what is the best part of fall for you oh well it certainly is not pumpkin spice no thank you i'm not a big fan 
oh my gosh, just driving up into the mountains, crisp, cool. It just puts yes. me in a whole different mindset and makes me so happy. It's been beautiful the last few days. Yeah. Yeah, it Love has. It. So nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's just a change. You know, it's, uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and make a segue for you guys. Uh, I'm going to go and get this out of the way uh, for your Georgia Bulldogs. Sherry, I don't know. <laughs> that Bob is, but I can't believe that the Bulldogs have not come up 17 times in this episode today. Uh, but my fans and they're screaming like crazy um, I, uh, because the, the Braves are going to be coming on here in a, in a few minutes. So we're excited about that. But uh, so those kind of things with the fall are always exciting. Uh, not, not to mention that the, yeah. the change. But. So I will say that Georgia is going nuts over the Braves right now. Um, uh-huh. Been a long drought. Uh, for them and the Bulldogs, actually. And, I mean, the Bulldogs are playing well, and I'm very excited about it, but I try not to talk about it too much because I don't want to jinx anything because we tend to do that here in the South. But yeah. I love that, and I just – I love uh, bonfires, s'mores, yes. the leaves changing, and just oh. it's a long sleeve shirt. So I, I do enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite thing about fall. Absolutely. What is your favorite Halloween candy? There's games at Halloween. No, your favorite calorie, Halloween candy. Oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> exactly. You should just ask which is the most disgusting because there's that, so many. That's the next question. Yeah. So go ahead. Halloween candy has got to be chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> <laughs> which has nothing to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I like candy corn, but I'm okay. one of those like, yeah, I will eat any kind of sugar. But yeah, candy corn is probably... You know, unless you can usurp that choice with something else, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. How about you, Philip? No, yeah, I'm a, I just a, you know, I'm boring. Chocolate. I mean, I, I never yeah. had a big sweet tooth, but you give me something chocolate, a Snickers or whatever, that's my favorite. Yeah. I'm different because my least, my least favorite is probably candy corn. I'm just, I'm never <laughs> able to, uh, to uh, grasp it. So. Um, right, the trash. Yeah, mine. I, I would say I'm the same. I like chocolate. A lot of the stuff i really like those uh my worst would probably be candy corn but what has taken the cake here is now that peeps have come out with it i do not like peeps so (laughs) something for every holiday and i'm pretty sure they'll be here the same package could be here in 50 years peeps are just one of those things i just I, i don't really care for them um so what is your favorite halloween movie oh wow um, Halloween movie. Jeez, one hour. Let me see. Gosh, so sorry about that. I'm sorry. I tried to. I tried to mute it. Um. Well, I do. I do like. I like the one with Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, the one with the. Oh yes, Halloween scare me. So I haven't really seen any. <laughs> and I do like. Um, I have been watching. Midnight Mass, which is really t- totally hokey balls. Okay. But you know, where the thing where you start watching it on Netflix and you're like, what am I thinking here? You know, but sometimes, yeah, I, I, if it's too scary, if it's just the right amount of dumb, then I can sit through it. But if it's like anything like devil, then I think I'm possessed and I cannot, those things don't work well for me, that genre, especially now that I am by myself. I'm like good gravy, but yeah. Back a long way. Yeah. No, I uh, I don't do anything scary. I try not to watch the previews. Um, 
Uh, I, I think I'm share, like Sherry in that respect. If it's, a, if it's like a scary drama, I like it. But if it's a scary devil possessed or it hiding in the, in the gutter or something, uh, I'm, I'm not watching the preview. I'll get up and yeah. out. I still have, yeah. When I was a kid and used to watch Nightmare on Elm Street and things, uh, I wouldn't walk into the bathroom because we had a, uh, a, right. a window in our bathroom. I used to take my brother in there so we could use the bathroom together. You know, it's, uh, that's so, the thing. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't watch any scary movies. So I'm right there with y'all. I just you yeah. know, like them. I just I can't do it. I'll scare myself to death, have the law called over nothing, just thinking yeah. something. But um, yeah. Yeah. One pumpkin pie or pecan pie? Oh, pumpkin pie, for mm -hmm. sure. Well, it'd be pecan pie if you take the pecans off of it. Are you allergic? For sure. Just get the nuts off of it. It's better. Yeah, I could, I could see that being a problem. Yeah, yes. funny thing is, is at, I took my wife with me to Thanksgiving in high school, and I was allergic to pecans. So we always had pecan pie. So I'd eat a slice of pecan, and I'd sit at the bottom step with my inhaler, waiting on it to hit. And then I would take a few puffs on my inhaler, and then after a while, I could breathe again, and maybe I just beat it. I don't know. Now I can eat it, and there's no problem. So I, I don't know, but I did like to try that. So, so, so Sherry, are, are you saying uh, no pumpkin spice, but uh, but you love pumpkin pie? Yeah, so, you know, they ruin everything with pumpkin spice, like pumpkin spice candles and, you know, whatever from the Starbucks. And so I think people have gone crazy with it. But I will say that my daughter makes just divine pumpkin bread. And it's really not bread, right? Nice. It's like a, a cake, but she has it down to a science. And that I really love because it's just a hint. But yeah, it's it's a taste sensation. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, first off, I want to say thank you for giving me an opportunity to contribute to your book. Uh -huh. uh, I enjoyed that. And thank you for coming on tonight. Um, just talking with me and Philip, just, you know, kind of having a good conversation and telling everybody what the book has to offer. I'll post sure. some pictures and some of the items on there and um, take any of the questions that I can take them to you if I need to. But um, thank you for everybody for listening. That's another episode of getting handy. Join us next time. Thank you so much for having me.